bringing you his authentic perspectives on important topics. They live in suburbs together. They live in the city together. They hang out together, all in the same family. We're the only idiots that fight because we want our voice to only be on one side. Like, does that even make any sense? And when the side loses, you lose everything. They, on the other hand, have a voice no matter what because somebody that looks like them is always in, in control. Frank, candid, and straight to the point. Well, it's just a skewed uh, system. Of course it is. It's a lot but, of adjustment. But, but answer there, my question, though. Should we let people what? go? Should we let people go? Like, let's just forget about bail altogether. And if your neighbor commits what a homicide and kills people up, nah, if you kill people and they next to you and you just let them come back and live right next to you, they can live upstairs from you. Let them come in your house. Frank, candid and straight to the point. This is the best radio show in the state of Wisconsin. Truth in the Afternoon with Dr. Ken Harris on 1017 The Truth and The Truth App. Now, he's the mayor of the city of Milwaukee. He's a young man. Give him a chance. I only complain about things that I care about. What I want you to do is pretend like I'm in St. Louis. And all I'm asking the mayor and the common council president and the common council, show me. Now, live from the American Family Insurance Studio at the Avenue in the heart of downtown Milwaukee, here is Dr. Ken Harris. This is The Truth in the Afternoon with Dr. Ken Harris on the new 1017 The Truth Live from the American Family Insurance Studio at the Avenue in the heart of downtown Milwaukee, I am Jason Fields filling in for my dear brother and good friend, Dr. Ken, uh, who is on assignment. Abdul, you got something for me on what we need to do to make Milwaukee a great place to live, work, and play. What you got for me, brother? Uh, we should follow your example of California. Uh, California's voted for reparations for their citizens. Uh, we, we want we want the mayor, the county council, and the governor to promote and vote on it. And whoever don't do this is anti-freedom and pro-slavery. Everybody should want it. Whoever don't is a racist, I believe. Well, wow, that's all that's we have a... to do is follow the example of California. This should be the next issue. It should be the next issue. So you think, so reparations, so they should vote for reparations. Hello? Yeah, can you hear me, Abdul? We, we may be have. All right, sounds good. Well, so Abdul, you know, what, B, we got some great callers calling in with some wonderful suggestions. And, and let me see if I can... Because I actually agree. I, I don't necessarily think I disagree with any of them. Um, one, I love that, you know, town, town was called, and, and the Harley-Davidson idea, and here's where I think we could do better, and I think his point was well served, that when you look at what's happening, corporations and businesses are now starting to implement their own training programs. Meaning there was a point where people were going to school to do some of this stuff. But there's been a huge disconnect between, I think, the business community and uh, education. And, and there are some people that's trying to do it. But now what's happening is now businesses are saying, look, we'll do our own trainings. We'll, we'll do our own 
quote-unquote universities or schools or programs. And I, I agree with him. We need to start earlier because you, you all have heard the phrase, if, if America got, has a cold, then uh, black people have the flu. And so I think it is, you know, uh, imperative that if that's the case, and I think it is, that we definitely need to start earlier. Because one of the mistakes I believe we made, and this is not just black people, this is society. One of the mistakes I think we made was this whole season or period where we just was telling everybody, you should go to college. You should go to college. I'm not knocking college education. But not everybody needed to go to college is different from everybody being educated. I think we made the mistake of thinking if you go to college, college was the only education that would sustain or that was perfect or that would get you through. And clearly now we see that that was a false narrative because now, as a friend of mine said, uh, I was I was talking with a guy. He said, look, you know, uh, you know, who he said you, he, he pointed it out this way. He made it this way. He said, you know, the people that I'm never going to argue with, he said, if my plumbing goes out at 12 o'clock at midnight and I got to make a phone call I'm not going to argue with that dude about price if my electricity goes out I'm not going to argue with you and, and, and you got to take it with a grain of salt but his point was these are people that have been so much overlooked that we all rely on and depend on that nobody was saying hey in the future the, these are good jobs where you don't have to come out with $100,000 in debt. You can get a good trade and make money. In fact, a lot of these men and women who do these kinds of jobs often are millionaires, particularly when they start their own businesses. We got it twisted so much in thinking that millionaires were the, the guys who went to Harvard and sat on the ninth or 10th floor with the big suite. No, most of your millionaires are people that do these small mom and pop type jobs and businesses that everybody need. Your plumbers, and heaven forbid, don't be no journeyman because you you mess around and hurt them at that point. You know that's that's you want to talk about good jobs, good trades. That's where the money and power at. You be one of these people who, at the end of the day, people got to deal with you. People got to call you. We we totally missed the boat on that, and so to Town's point. We got to start earlier. And to Al's point, and Al always says some very good stuff. One of the things that I re that really resonated with me, and I'm glad Al said this, because it, it's so simple that it's almost, it's almost complex. He said, ask the kids. And wherever I go, when I'm in rooms and people mention youth, I always look to see, are there youth in the room? Because that will let me know to a certain degree how serious you are about this discussion. Because we've gotten to a point where when you look at this generation that has been raised. And let's go from the baby boomers who was raised in coming off of some of the depressions that the 84 depression. They dealt with a bunch of civil rights stuff. Uh, they are the largest group. They had their stress. Then you get to the uh, my generation is Gen X people. We we basically, as they will say, raised ourselves. Right. We. We were the people who had to figure we dressed ourselves, we cooked clean, we had keys to the house by the time we was 12. 
you know, we, we was answering phones and doing all kinds of stuff. We had to find our way to school and all this other kind of stuff. Then you got this other generation a little bit underneath us. And, uh, you know, to a certain degree, when you look at what some of the generation after them, what they've had to go through, let's really look at some of the things that th this group has to go through. A financial depression crisis, 2008, COVID, um, you know, lack of all kinds of health scares. Um, you know, so every generation has had their thing. But I think what we forgot is if we really want to effectuate change, we got to ask these kids. Like, I think that's a great idea, Al. Like, what is it that would make you want to do to hurt your own brother and sister? Because if we're not getting to that stuff, then at the end of the day, we just going, you know, we're going to talk about this stuff and then wait to it, wait until it happens again. But we need to have a real discussion. What would make you want to steal a car, potentially kill somebody, not care, go to go to some kind of court system, get out and risk it and do it all over again? What would make you want to do that? What's missing in your life that that somehow is either OK or it's not frightening enough for you to stop it? Stop doing it. Brilliant question, Al. And then to Abdullah's point, you know, I, man, you know, honestly, that's, I'd, I'd love to see that. I'd love to see <laughs> this, this community say, hey, you all, I would love to see reparations get on the, get on the ballot. I mean, and when I say ballot, I mean, at, at the state level, it, of course, it'll never happen. Um, because you got a bunch of people that they, they not going to take that vote. Um, and you got some people who would and don't care, but I'd be curious to see this city, county, where they're at with that, you know, because I do believe on some level that makes a huge statement. That makes a statement that you acknowledge or your area, and it's not even necessarily the black people, because the black people better vote for it, right, Abdullah? Like, they, they got to vote for it. The black people in that situation ain't really my concern. It's the white folks who going to vote yay or nay on it. That's who I'm going to be paying attention to. Because then at that point, you know what you're dealing with. You know, um, having black people vote on stuff that's beneficial for black people, that, that, that's a no-brainer, right? And I would like to believe that nobody black would vote no, right? I, I, but we've seen stranger things. And so as we talk about all this stuff, Here's one of the things that I was looking at about, and I said we were going to talk about education because I think a lot of that leads into this, particularly when we start tying into youth and particularly when we want to answer the question, what makes this a great place to live, work, and play? Are we treating our teachers the right way? And when I say teachers, answer it however you will. But are we attracting and keeping teachers. Here's an article that came out. Wisconsin students still majoring in education. So I'm going to dissect this title. We got Wisconsin students majoring in education. We have them majoring in education. We have people here going into the educational arena. But, and here's the but, teacher retention is down. 
And Wisconsin is always one of these tales of two cities, right? We the burst, we the best, but yet we the worst, depending on for who. So the title is Wisconsin students still majoring in, edu- in education, but teacher retention is down. Wisconsin is doing better than the nation in attracting college students to teaching fields. So get this. We are doing better than the country when attracting students to come and major in teaching. But yet we can't keep them. So let me read this article so we're all on the same page. And Ben, let me know when it's time to break because I don't want to get too passionate into this thing and then we break. But Madison Ewan beams when she talks about teaching fourth grades at Coloma Elementary School in Central Wisconsin, a Central Wisconsin-based school district of Westfield. The University of Wisconsin graduate, Madison graduate, who will begin her fourth year heading into a classroom this fall, says she was born to teach. But even with the enthusiasm, she knows it might not be for everyone. In fact, she says teaching isn't what she thought it would be. Now, here's an intriguing quote. I had a very privileged view of education coming from a very white middle class background, I would say. I didn't see how much work has to go on behind the scenes to truly meet the needs of all my students. I think being a teacher means much, much more than curriculum and content. It's absolutely wearing five or six hat at a time and being okay with that. First question on the table for you all. Do you think most of the people or individuals in the teaching arena who are not black echo those sentiments? And maybe you don't have to answer that, but think about it. And then do we have a plethora of people who maybe they're not okay with wearing five or six hats? I admit, you know, my wife being a teacher, I, you know, I think people underestimate and overlook how hard it is, even teachers themselves. Hence, we struggle with some of this stuff. So let me continue. The challenge may be making the career less attractive at a time when women who traditionally make up the majority of classroom teachers have many more options than in the past. Nationwide, fewer college students are majoring in education. This week, about 1,000 early career teachers were at UW-Madison for an event aimed at supporting new educators. The group gathered at annual conference as both the number and share of new college graduates with a bachelor's degree in education have decreased over the last few decades. The decline has occurred even as the overall number and share of people with a college degree has increased. In 2019 to 2020, the most recent year with available data, colleges and universities awarded 85,057 bachelor's degrees in education, about 4% of of the more than 2 million total degrees issued that year. So we issued a bunch between 2019 and 2020. Continuing, that was down 19% from 2000-2001 when colleges and universities issued more than 105,000 bachelor's degrees in education, roughly 8% of all undergraduate degrees. We have been making teaching not a cool job. It's not an appreciative job. And quite honestly, I think that, that we all bear the grunt of that. We all bear the grunt of um, 
because I'll be candid. If Tasha and I had kids and, you know, Tasha might have a different answer. But they said, I want to be a teacher. I'd be proud, but at the same point in time, I know how much teachers have to go through. And I know how much they underpaid. I'd, I'd, I'd sit my child down and, and have a real serious discussion. Like, are you sure? And do you know what this entails? So, on the other side of the, of the uh, when we come back, the question is, you know, are we really valuing teachers? Because that plays a role in whether or not this is a great place to live, work, and play. We'll have more of this conversation on the other side. This is The Truth in the Afternoon with Dr. Ken Harris on the new 1017 The Truth. More of Truth in the Afternoon with Dr. Ken Harris is next on 1017 The Truth, The Truth app, and 1017thetruth.com. More of Truth in the Afternoon with Dr. Ken Harris is next on 1017 The Truth, The Truth app, and 1017thetruth.com. This is The Truth in the Afternoon with Dr. Ken Harris on the new 1017 The Truth, live from the American Family Insurance Studio at the Avenue in the heart of downtown Milwaukee. I am Jason Fields, filling in for my good brother, Dr. Ken, who is on assignment. And the question on the table this hour was, are we valuing and are we treating our teachers right? Do we want them to stay here? Uh, Another question is, what can we do to keep them here? Because when you have an exodus of teachers, and again, I want you all to think how I'm thinking. When you have an exodus of teachers, and particularly when you don't have black teachers, black male teachers, then what happens? And so there's an article that says that the state of Wisconsin, we do great at students majoring in education. The problem, though, is we don't keep them. So in the Wisconsin Department of Public Instruction data from 2021, the latest data available, 5,391 people graduated with teaching degrees. 5,391 people graduated with teaching degrees. But only 3,618 of those graduates became teachers in the state. So you literally lose close to 2,000 teachers, man. Wisconsin teachers are overwhelmingly white, almost 95%, and female, about 72%. Now, I've said this before. I'll say it again. Um, I have a grave concern when it comes to particularly young African-American men and the lack of, I would say, cultural sensitivity by white women. Uh, I've said this before, and I I think there's there's reason for that. And I think there's data to talk about why we should have some concern about that stuff when you look at the suspension and expelling rate or of, of of some students of color. With teachers' retention rates are 67% after their first five years, according to DPI. 
but found only 16 to 18% of Wisconsin teachers are under 30 years old. So now I want you to think about that. Now you have majority of white women who are over 30. And if there is no diversity, equity, and inclusion type training, if there are no black men around, do you see how all these things start to relate to one another? And you look at, okay, if no one's asking kids what they want to be, if we can't even get to that point, because quite honestly, some people will look at some folks and just automatically doom them to failure. Now you start to see how all these things starts to play a role, starts to play a part. It leads to crime. It leads to the devaluing of another human being. I want to read something to you that, again, plays a part in this whole discussion. In 2020, 4,685 people migrated from Waukesha County to Milwaukee County. So Milwaukee County brought in close to 4,700 people. But in that same year, almost 8,902 people left Milwaukee County, moving to Waukesha County. Now, I would love to do an analysis to see the demographic or the type of individual who moved in and then who moved out. I think y'all know where this could potentially be going. In the same year, 4,000 people moved from Waukesha County to Milwaukee. In the same year, 8,902 people left going the opposite way. And so in 2020, the population, the migration, people who are moving, Milwaukee lost, uh, Milwaukee County lost 11,206 people. Again, when you start digging into this stuff, when you start doing the math on some of these things, when you start tying into all the issues that 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 sort of have a, 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 a connection point, you begin to see, OK, this is why we do, we're not we're not doing as as well as we could be. Let's look at what we've heard from every caller. Sandra said we're targeted. Town said we don't basically have businesses starting early with relationships with our kids. Um, Sam, uh, not Sam, but forgive me, I'm butchering you. I'm forgetting, forgetting the name. Um, stated that we don't even ask the kids. We don't even talk to them. And Abdullah said, you know, we we not even, basically what I take from it, and to put it into uh, terms of this discussion, we're not even concerned about the fact that black folks have been struggling so long that we don't even have a long-term game plan or are supportive of an initiative like reparations that could at least send the message that we really care. You start factoring all those things and putting them on one top of, on top of another. Then again, how do you, without these solutions, how do we start to change the narrative? Because when you, when you have a group of people, a city of people that has to consistently deal with that, I didn't even mention the fact that on average right now, the numbers dictate we're losing. Uh, we have two minor, two not two minorities, but two minors shot per month. Then you have a sales tax. 
uh, and people who don't have the financial means, they're going to feel that. And then the money for the sales tax that, you know, that you have to pay can't even go to some of the stuff that would actually help make this a better place. Yo, that's that's a lot. That's a lot. And if you don't have a group of people that have some kind of game plan or strategy to at least start addressing some of this stuff, that's a lot. And so how can we expect people to all of a sudden get encouraged and strengthened when they're consistently inundated with news that takes away from that energy? Yeah, you got a bump in that the Milwaukee Bucks won the championship, but everybody don't work for the Bucks. You know, yeah, you got downtown being that's be, that's getting paid a lot of attention to money's there. People are doing OK downtown. But what about the other areas? You have school systems who no offense to them, but Jesus Christ, you all y'all 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 not even managing business the right way. Y'all so afraid of stuff that it don't even make sense. For example, in a news article. The Ramirez's, Gus Ramirez, they bought uh, the new car, the Cardinal Stretch facility. And if you all haven't seen the Ramirez school on the south side, it's it's freaking amazing what they're doing for kids in the area. It's freaking amazing. Um, and now they want to buy uh, the Cardinal Stretch facility or they have. I think the price tag was twenty four million here. Here was the issue. We always complain about money, but then when the opportunities to make money come, we get petty. There was at a point in time where some people uh, didn't want to sell empty school buildings. Now, I want you to think about this mentality, particularly for those of you who paying money into the system, right? You, you, you live in Milwaukee. I want you to think about how you paying money into the system. And somebody says to you, hey, listen, you can start saving some money and then Another person comes to you and say, nah, we don't think you should do that because, you know, it might help out your 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 competition or what have you. That's what was going on. Let me be even more specific and clear. The city school district was, was sitting on empty buildings, empty buildings. And instead of selling them, reducing their expenses making some money, recouping costs to do some of the stuff that you all called here and said maybe we should do, like, I don't know, create a program with Harley-Davidson to go in and start teaching kids, you know, to have sessions like Al said, hey, let's have some sessions. What is it that makes you do these things? What would help to put together a strategy on, you know, making sure that there's some kinds of programs that can help. So instead of selling these buildings that they were just paying for, paying for light bills, utility bills, insurance, um, security, you know, water, gas, and you're paying all this stuff for empty buildings. So you're not even making money on these buildings. You're literally just throwing money down the drain. Instead of selling these buildings, there were people who would say, well, we don't want to give these buildings to charter and choice people. Listen, um, that's a that's an inferior mindset. And what do I mean by that? Meaning if you good at what you do, you shouldn't be worried about what other people do, because eventually people will know. 
I mean, can can we be very candid and honest? If you are good at what you do, people will know. And when you're not good, right? You you want to try to protect stuff. You want to try, and and it's an inferior mindset. Uh, name a good restaurant. You all think of a good restaurant. Um, I can assure you they have some competitors, but I can guarantee you they're not necessarily worried about what their competitors are doing. Um, because when you're good, you're good. Whether you like Chick-fil-A or not, you you can't tell me Chick-fil-A don't have a good customer service kind of motto. And Chick-fil-A ain't worried about what other people are doing. Even when on some on some some case in some cases, the owners might be a little special, meaning their political ideologies, but they not worried. The guy from Popeye's Chicken, and I think Sherwin talked a little bit about this. The guy from Popeye's Chicken wasn't worried about a bunch of stuff because he knew y'all was still going to go in and eat all that stuff. He wasn't worried. And so he was going to make his money. The problem with us is we don't have that mindset, and, and that mindset is to our detriment. We so worried about stuff like this. Are we treating our teachers who have a connection to all of this the right way? More on this conversation on the other side. This is The Truth in the Afternoon with Dr. Ken Harris on the new 1017 The Truth. The Truth in the Afternoon with Dr. Ken Harris is next on 1017 The Truth, The Truth app, and 1017thetruth.com. More of Truth in the Afternoon with Dr. Ken Harris is next on 1017 The Truth, The Truth app, and 1017thetruth.com. This is The Truth in the Afternoon with Dr. Ken Harris on the new 1017 The Truth, live from the American Family Insurance Studio at the Avenue in the heart of downtown Milwaukee. I am Jason Fields, filling in for Dr. Ken, who was on assignment. And the question on the table was, are we treating our teachers uh, right? Are we treating them good? Because we see that we can, we have teachers who we educate here, but yet we're not keeping them here. Deborah, you're on the new 1017 The Truth. What you got for me? Hello, Jason. I'm going to try and answer the two questions. The first one was, uh, what what does it take to make a good city, and are we treating our teachers right? What it takes to make a good city is family and communities. Those look different today than in the era that I grew up, and I'm a baby boomer. In the era that I grew up, the people that lived in our community were families that consisted of fire department people, police officers, business people. So growing up, we had an opportunity to interact with those kind of individuals, and some of them actually looked like us. So we got an opportunity to experience, if not just hear all the stories about being a fire person, being a police officer, being a teacher. And so when it comes to, when you talk about how does that look, these are people who have like-minded ideas about the space they want to live in and exist in. Most people, when they, le- when they left Milwaukee, the ones that you were talking about, were a lot of professional people. They were the fire department. They were the police officers. So when we lost a lot of those professional people, the homeowners, that did a lot in terms of what the community itself looked like and what kids were being exposed to, which included the teachers. I grew up with teachers who you say they, they wear many hats. Absolutely true. 
most teachers did not go into education because of the money. That, that definitely was not the case. But they believed they could make the difference in children's lives. The problem we see a lot of today is that with teachers, they're going into education and going into school, not making the money that they should deserve to make, but they're actually coming out of their pocket to pay for some of the things for their students. So that's one thing. And then the resources, I mean, all kinds of resources that are not lacking from the social resources to the uh, financial resources. And then teachers, when we were growing up, teachers, teachers and, and we joke about it, say the teacher could whoop you and so forth. And I actually did get a whooping by a teacher. But now teachers have to be hands off. How do teachers um, mitigate trying to be that loving, caring person, but at the same time being that person that's the disciplinarian and knowing that they have these boundaries that they have to be so very careful of. And they have to be therapists because you got so an unlicensed therapist because so many kids now have so many mental health issues from the very extreme to some just have discipline issues where the parents are not even helping. And speaking of parents, you hear so much about teachers being cussed out by parents, threatened by parents, and we know of a situation where uh, a fourth grader told the teacher, I'll get my mama to hurt you. Who wants to be a teacher if that's what they have to face? And now you have guns coming to school, and in certain cases, um, all of that goes to, speaks to the whole idea of what it is that is causing people not to want to go into education. And that means they don't have a community around them necessarily that makes them feel wanted, that makes them feel like there's going to be the resources there. Where we live, I see all the time where communities come together. They don't just depend on the teacher. They come together to make sure that the supplies that is needed for the beginning of the school year is there. They, they come together and they go to the meetings to make sure that whatever security they need in place is there. That's community. That's having people who are like-minded, not necessarily of the same race or any of that, but people who are like-minded, want the same thing, and are invested, are truly invested. And that's a lot of times where family come in. And again, I say family looks different. It's not just the husband and wife anymore. Family is whoever identifies themselves as people who are together, who are either taking care of someone else. That's what family is, but it's an investment. It's an investment in the relationships, in the family, in the community, and the space people are living in. What we have to do is we have to get back to investing in the relationships so that we can look at families, communities, and our environment. Thank you. Thanks, Mom. Um, you know, you all know that that's my mother and I'm never abashed or ashamed to say that because I think you see where I, we get it from. Right. And as my mother was talking, uh, I remember talking to Tasha a couple of days ago and I said, you know, Tasha, I think I'm going to bring back just rolling up on people. You know, there used to be a time B where remember you could just drive to somebody's house and just you in the neighborhood, you swing by, you stop by. We don't do that kind of stuff no more. And people are glad to see you. Now when your doorbell ring, you ducking, you 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 got a visceral reaction like, who was that? And and it just goes to show the culture shift in the mindset. Because I remember growing up where the engagement from the community was, it was solid. I mean, we literally knew everybody across the street down the street on the next block and we all we all hung out we have spent the night over each other's houses our parents and all these people knew each other um 
And and, and again, you know, to to rehash what my mother is saying, you know, we got spanked by teachers when you deserved it. But yeah, now, um, and I and I echo those sentiments. Why would you want to be a teacher if that's it? Which means that those who are doing teaching or going into this field, one, after they've gotten past the point of what did I do? Maybe I, maybe I, I didn't anticipate it being this tough. I can certainly understand that. But those who remain, they're not doing it because of the accolades, right? They're not doing it because of the, the, the camaraderie and the whole love. They're not doing it because of any of that. They're not doing it because of the money. But then if that's the case, should we institute or have, should we be working on a different narrative for teachers? Because if we're not keeping teachers, if we're not developing teachers, then that's a blow to our community. Um, Because what you'll find is that in order to have great places to live, work, and play, you need to have teachers in that community. Now, we do have to address not everybody should be a teacher. Um, You know, I'm of the mindset now when somebody says I'm a teacher, my initial reaction is, well, is anybody learning? Uh, Because, you know, you you got all kind of folks out here who have titles and positions. Y'all got people who are elected leaders. I think you can I think you will agree that that don't necessarily mean a whole lot. You know, you got people who doctors and getting sued out the wazoo because they're not that good. So I think there's a degree to, yes, if you're in this field, we should treat you admirably. We should treat you with a great deal of respect and cherish you, you know. Uh, And not one teacher, just like not one black person should represent everybody else. One bad teacher shouldn't represent everybody else. Now, that being said, uh, just like with the police officers, when you got bad ones, and don't nobody speak up, well, then, you know, you you can't just sit around and wonder why ain't, no, ain't nobody happy because you see as bad people, but you ain't saying nothing. And so to the degree that our culture has gotten so far away from just adapting and, ex- and, and excelling that now I, I it almost comes across as if just just living is is all we can do here, right? All, all we can do is just tolerate the madness. And I don't think that's the way it's supposed to be. You know, I, I think that at some point people have to start asking, are they a part of the problem or a part of the solution? And quite honestly, it's something that I deal with all the time. It, and, and just recently I had to ask myself a question. And it goes back to a conversation of, do I want to risk you know, um, if you're fighting for all these things, who wants to risk that? You know, because that's the real conversation. Do I want to risk fighting for uh, the whole community? And at the end of the day, because of something I say, even though it might be right, I lose my job. Because, you know, th- those are real kinds of discussions. And I think what we lost in the civil rights movement in that genre that genre my mother came up in uh her grandma my grandmother was that it used to be a culture of people would take care of you 
you weren't out there on your own. You didn't look at it as if it was everybody else's problem. There used to be more unity. And somewhere down the line, and we didn't get a chance to talk about it, but when watching Dear Mama, uh, a story about Tupac, his mother, you looked at their fight and you looked at where they came from. And when you came from nothing, I guess it's easy to fight because, you know, they were already at rock bottom. They didn't have anywhere else to go but up. And to a certain degree, I can appreciate, respect that, and on some level admire it because you got to be very strong to go, you know what, I'm going to stand on principle, on my square, and we're going to fight for everybody. We'll have more of this conversation on the side. This is The Truth in the Afternoon with Dr. Ken Harris on the new 1017 The Truth. This is Truth in the Afternoon with Dr. Ken Harris on 1017 The Truth, The Truth app, and 1017thetruth.com. This is Truth in the Afternoon with Dr. Ken Harris on 1017 The Truth, The Truth app, and 1017thetruth.com. This is the Truth in the Afternoon with Dr. Ken Harris on the new 1017 Truth Live from the American Family Insurance Studio at the Avenue in the heart of downtown Milwaukee. I am Jason Fields in for Dr. Ken who is on assignment. And we've been talking about, you know, just what will it take to have this become a great place to live, work and play? Because as we get competitive, you all, and as we look towards the future, if we don't want to continue to suffer from the violence, the brokenness, then we're going to have to figure this thing out because Milwaukee is clearly on a trajectory of becoming like a Detroit at one point in time, a Gary, Indiana. Um, And I don't think any of us want that. And so let's start looking at solutions. Let's bring back some of the unity you all and get to a point where this is a wonderful city not just because of the Bucks winning the championship. That shouldn't be our only claim to fame. Or we have great parks, right? Uh, that shouldn't be our claim to fame. Our claim to fame should be this is a phenomenal place. Uh, you can come here, thrive. Because if we don't, the alternative is that, as my mother called in and said, you will start to see an exodus of a lot of people who have a certain mindset. And I don't know if we can suffer or withstand large exodus year after year of people going to more fertile ground. This has been The Truth in the Afternoon with Dr. Ken Harris on the new 1017 The Truth, live from American Family Insurance Studio in the heart of downtown Milwaukee. We'll see you next time.